Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beacon Podcast. Canadian events for the regular people. To the Canadian Beacon podcast, uh, brought to you by myself, Craig, and my co-host Todd. Say hi there, buddy. How's it going? Good, boy. Things have been happening since we were last uh, our last podcast. Uh, I figure we'll go for a little trip down memory lane since our last uh, podcast. Which uh, the trip doesn't you're going to feel like it's uh, not so much a trip, but a, a night in hell. The U.S. federal election was uh, held since uh, our last podcast, and we've seen the results so far. Things are not looking good for the Trumpster uh, so at, at this point, mind you. Hope is not dead as of this moment. From what I understand, there's still appeals going on in Pennsylvania, Georgia, and uh, Michigan, I believe, and Wisconsin. And Arizona. And Arizona, yeah, and we're, you know, there's some hopeful. They recently discovered that up to two to two and a half million votes were during the election have been uh, switched over to to uh, the Biden from Trump under this uh, the new their computer system they're using. What is it, the Jones or what's that system called? Dominion. The Dominion voting systems, yeah, voting system, and a coincidentally. Company. What's that? A Canadian company. Oh, okay. It's a Canadian company, but it was instrumental in the last election. And guess what country? Hmm. Hmm. Would that be Venezuela, Craig? Son of a gun. Yeah. Venezuela. And we see how the fair voting lasted there. And they they got this very democratic uh, election. Well done in Venezuela with the Dominion voting system. There is no and, controversies there. No, I mean, and now they're enjoying eating their pets and sifting through garbage. That's right. And if you know anybody from Venezuela, they're uh, especially, luckily, all the Venezuelans that were that had uh, escaped and moved to the luxurious land of Florida helped support Trump to take Florida uh, with his their vote down in the Miami area. And yeah, that was a good. Good thing. Um, all of them knowing the, the, the evils of socialism and how how devastating it has been to their country and could, didn't want to see the writing on the wall for the U.S. And do you know, they, do yes, you sir. notice, Craig, as well in Florida that a presidential candidate that wins Florida very rarely loses the election when they Isn't win that Florida? Florida? Yes. Yeah. The other oddities that. Uh, uh, occurred i guess there's a thing called a bedford uh calculation yeah i heard it i don't fully un- uh, understand well, uh, apparently there's certain calculations uh, uh according to this uh mathematician bedford that uh are used in uh, to set precedents in legal uh audits and things of uh, audits that you'd see commonly in things such as their U.S. Revenue Service or the Canada Revenue Service or and elections. And that, according to that Bedford calculation, it's mathematically impossible that uh, Biden won. And that's a, a legal precedent setting system is saying that according uh, the it's it's basically like breaking a rule of physics. It's breaking a rule of mathematics that uh, that Biden won. So it's possible, though, Craig, because liberals don't believe in physics. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Or or mathematics, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And I also welcome some of the stories coming out of Michigan where in one county, over 200 percent of the the population came out and vote, which was very positive. Yeah, that was good. And uh uh, my uh, friend Harry, uh, he's a lawyer, but he a lot of he has a lot of relatives down in the states, and it's kind of like civil war. He described it. He said uh, half his half his relatives are hardcore Biden fans. 
the other half are hardcore uh, Trump fans. But sadly, they're both situated in in the exact opposite areas where they should be. Oh. For example, the the Trump fans are in Florida are in California, huh. and the and the Biden fans are in uh, on the East Coast here somewhere. Oh but, boy. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. He said he described. He says uh, his great great or his great grandfather uh, was a hardcore Republican, and I, I, I made a mention to him. I said, "Well, no, probably uh, is he still alive?" And he goes, "No, no, he passed away a few years ago." I said, "So now he's a hardcore Democrat." <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's a good one. That's like the guy who said he was. Screaming at his grandmother for vote for Biden, then he left the cemetery and went for breakfast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, a lot of interesting mathematical improbabilities. There's um, what they call bellwether ridings, bellwether states. I think Ohio is a bellwether state, and it's like since 1950, whoever w- went won. Ohio won the election. Trump won it. And they said of all the bellwether states and areas in the states, Joe Biden only won 18 percent of them. Wow. Yes. Uh, How about as well the down ballot controversy? Because their ballots are so complex, because they'll have on the top the president, then possibly a governor, uh, congressman, senator, all the way down to the dog catcher on some places, some counties. And they know through historical records, the percentage is typically what people vote down ballot. Some people just begin to lose interest or uh, uh, don't think it's really that important down ballot. So they, they don't know the candidates, so they stop voting down ballot. Well, there were literally hundreds of thousands of ballots in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan that only marked Joe Biden. Only. Yes, another statistical Ab- abnormality. Yeah, I think there's yeah. someone said came with a number of about uh, 450,000 in those wow. areas. Yes. Yeah, the margin of error, uh, the the margin of victory, pretty much. That's right. I know another thing was uh, uh, they're pulling um, broadcast records from all the major uh, news inc organizations. And the one uh, and CNN showed a, a video of uh, race in, I believe it was, again, Michigan, where Trump was up 19,000 votes. And then a moment later. Trump was down 19,000 votes and Biden went up 19,000 votes. Yeah, that's the blue, little blue, red uh, line graph that I've saved it for posterity. I've actually saved snapshots of um, I think it was four or five states where Trump had very comfortable leads. And then all those states coincidentally decided that they were going to stop counting for the night and close up until four in the morning. Yes. And many witnesses have sat, were very suspicious and sat in their cars and filmed the trucks coming in with bags of ballots, bags of ballots. That's, that's hilarious. You know, it, it just scares me that the, the situation has gone to that extreme now that are you know the greatest democracy in the world or the republican what do you yeah. republic has sunk to a level where coups are uh, coups are occurring during their elections and it, it ends up nobody's going to believe the election one way or the other now uh, mm. if the the you know through all the appeals and the counts and everything else if trump comes out ahead all, then you'll have, you know, 50, 60 million people saying that it was rigged in his favor. And if it comes out that Biden was still ahead, then, you know, Biden was seems to be a more popular guy than any other president in past uh, that's in history since George Washington. But uh, they have so much in common. Yeah. You know, he's received so many votes and stuff, but th- that will make the, the other 70 point 
nine million people that voted for Trump uh, a little suspicious as well. And it's it's just hilarious. Uh, it's you know it's such a contention, a, a polarization of the country, leading it closer and closer to again what you probably feel like I feel towards a uh, a form of a civil war that's going to be uh, that's going to turn hot. It's already happening. There already is a civil war, but I I think the civil war might turn hot in the, the, the near future from this all this polarization. Well, if you look at it from a uh, uh, maintaining the republic point of view, it's the worst possible outcome. If your goal was to start a civil war in the la- the world's last free republic it's the perfect scenario yeah exactly like no right who benefits that's right and i think um the we're gonna get to that with our own dear leader uh but i think this is really a battle between globalism and nationalism yeah i agree with you on that and we can see that because what is it? Build better, best. Yeah. Build best. Yes. The Great Reset and Agenda 2030. That's right. And that's where our show begins, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're coming back to Canada, is uh, different little uh, platitudes that uh, Trudeau's given in the last few days, talking about build better, best, uh, which is a or build back better. Build back better. Excuse me. Build back better and uh, bringing up the exact uh, word for word phrase used by our uh, good friends at the United Nations. So we have that all uh, happening. And a couple of things I noticed in the last uh, newsworthy things that I saw in the last day or so is um our competitive report card for Canada. I, apparently, the World Bank uh, ease of doing business report was just issued, and Canada has dropped to 23rd from 4th, uh, 23rd in 2020 from 4th back in 2007. Who was in power in 2007? Mm-hmm. The arch nemesis, Harper. Emmanuel Goldstein? Huh? Oh. Emmanuel Goldstein, the um, antagonist in 1984, who was responsible oh, okay. for everything that went wrong. That's right. That's right. Okay, and also another uh, interesting thing is from between 2014 and 19, pre-COVID, business investment in Canada—that's investment in machinery, equipment, factories, intellectual property. And just note the, the dates, 2014 to 2019. Who was in power at that time? I refuse to say his name. I refuse to say that asshole's name, too. I'm sorry. Sorry about the language. But uh, the, for all this investment in business, dropped 17.3%. Wow. And 10 of the 15 major sectors of the Canadian co- uh, economy experienced a drop in investment from foreign and Canadian. Uh, Money fled Canada for more favorable investments outside of the country to the tune of $185 billion since uh, the Liberal government has come to power. $185 billion of investment has left Canada. How does that affect you? Well, you wonder about wait times at uh, for seeing getting a medical procedure done, or or why isn't there money for this new wing of this hospital, or why are these roads so lousy, or why is it taking me uh, 27 days just to get a hold of somebody to talk to for about something at the federal government? All that investment in country in that's leaving the country also reduces our tax income coming into the country which reduces our infrastructure, reduces our ability to pay for things. So here we get Build Back Better. And uh, this is what our uh, the Liberal government has suggested, that they're going to build back better by investing it in clean technology. 
Okay, they're going to cut the corporate tax rates in half for companies that create jobs and make Canada a world leader in clean technology. Can you believe that? Well, what would they mean by clean technology? Is that like um, destroying we documents and yeah, cleaning, up, <laughs> cleaning up their uh, file system? That yeah, uh, using a shredder to the best advantage. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, liberal uh, use of a, a thick black marker would be another thing. But yeah. this is this this is the best joke about uh, all this throne speech talking about build back better and investing in uh in clean technology companies and cutting their tax rate here's the stats on that clean technology sector of business in canada is represented by 3.2 percent of our economy and accounts for 1.7 percent of all jobs in canada so that's where they're big investment is going to be into leaving the other 96.8% of the economy and 98.3% of the jobs on the vine to wither. Okay. So yeah, it's the, and you can't explain it to them. You, you listen to him, you see with the, his uh, idiot Smurf uh, finance minister going on about rebuilding our economy green have no concept of the idea of thermodynamics in the fact that how can you possibly make steel with a windmill or a solar panel where do well we we you and i talk about this time and time again about you know where do plastics come from uh medicine fertilizer herbicides pesticides plastic yeah, a million different things come from fossil fuels. And me, little old me, has spent a career of nearly 35 years working in industry and buildings, saving energy. And, and what we've done, uh, how we've technologically improved on how we build buildings and their energy use and their energy footprint is probably... A third of what it used to be. I noticed in industry when I started out how, you know, industry, you know, plants were dirty, dusty, you know, very messy places. Now they're, they're, they're amazing how clean they are and how much of the process that they is more efficient with much less waste, you know, with lean manufacturing and the businesses I see sprout up that take plastic and any garbage anything that was garbage before and turn it into a a, a usable product and these idiots have no clue what they're talking about absolutely no clue how the tar sands started out as a an energy returned on energy invested ratio to get a barrel of oil to get three barrels of oil they'd use a barrel oil worth of energy now I think it's as high as 10 or 12. And the tar sands is cleaning up the world's largest oil spill. Yeah. They, they take land that has no ecological uh, value to it, and they strip the oil out of it, and they rehabilitate the land, producing a product that we need. That's right. You know, what their, their argument and counter to that, they say, you know, you know what there is when you get a, a, a huge wind spill? <laughs> it's just called a windy day. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they, they do generate a lot of wind power. And, you know, you and I live in southern Ontario and we see these monstrosity um, wind generators along the lake where... It's really the retirement plan of a lot of farmers who got paid huge leases and then the energy companies that built the turbines getting a subsidized electricity rate. Generally in Ontario, we pay about 15 cents, let's say, on average, you know, for a kilowatt hour of energy, right? Yeah. These assholes were paying, and this was under uh, Kathleen Wynne, another Enviro idiot. 
were started out paying people 80 cents a kilowatt hour for the photovoltaic for photovoltaic generation 80 cents they've since well, reduced it but you know I what forget, they said no, yeah go ahead you know what they said about Winnie when she did that she uh they said that was pretty adventurous and they said yeah she just threw caution to the wind oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah she sure as hell did but you know what and this is the difference between liberals and I don't really necessarily call myself conservative. Maybe I call myself logical. Or, or maybe a libertarian. Yes. Semi-intelligent. I'll say I'll, I'll, I, I'm not I'll, I'll, I'll be the last one to admit I'm a genius. But let's just say I'm semi-intelligent and can walk upright. Liberals, for the most part absolutely embrace liberalism are idiots they what they do is that wind tower or that uh, wind generator to them when they see that it just makes them feel good and then they go back to sleep in their super yeah it is it's virtue signaling and and the, the the reality is the technological advantages of this are zero if you look at the actual uh, thermodynamic and financial logic of this, that is money that could be spent on hospitals or uh, reducing energy costs to make it more competitive. And then, in turn, generate more economic activity and create more tax so we can have better healthcare and roads and all those good things that we want. Kind of like what Trump was doing down in the States. Yeah, exactly. And he's vilified. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you talk to somebody who hates Trump, all they can talk about is Russia, his hotels. He's a racist. He's a misogynist. He's all these things. And you know what? Yeah, the guy is arrogant, okay? I mean, I can <clears throat> I love the guy to be honest because I'm the type of person I like someone who tells it to me straight and doesn't bullshit me. And Exactly. Yeah. The reality he has worked on the illegal immigrant problem. He gets called a racist. Yet the guy in New York would hire blacks. He opened a golf course in – he bought a golf course in Florida, which didn't allow blacks or Jews into it, and he changed that. His grandkids are Jewish. He's dated a black woman. He's been given awards by Jesse Jackson before he ran for president. So many things that he's done, yet he's a racist. Yeah, orange man bad. Yeah. Yeah, and this is – to put it simply – Marxist propaganda. He is a nationalist. He puts his country first and the globalists hate it. They want the United States to join the global plantation and he's in the way. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I it hit the nail on the head each with each one of those comments, Todd, I think. Mm-hmm. Again, we're uh, really knuckle draggers, at least one hand anyway. Yeah, and uh, we can see the the writing on the wall of what's happening, and and we it's, we're actually baffled by what people can't see it for themselves, and they live this dystopian view that the one little thing is going to again through virtual signaling, or it will make them feel better about themselves, knowing that they did something for the environment. When the reality is they've done nothing for the environment; they've they've actually harmed it. They haven't thought it out in any kind of length or any kind of positivity to, to, to work with what we already have and make it more efficient as opposed to try to find some future different uh, technology which will will come up and spin wind around and make electricity for all. And, and we can see that. Things like in California with brownouts continuously due to their uh, massive solar farms and uh, wind windmill systems that can't handle to keep up with the amount of 
hydro use that the state uses. You know, it's uh, when it comes to the, the windmills and stuff, I, I got to admit, I'm not a big fan. No, I well, the technology has its applications. No, oh, geez. That one went right. That went right over my head. Right over my head. <laughs> Were you writing all these down today? <laughs> so, but they have like technology has its place. I mean, they are working on. You know, Elon Musk is working on a, a roofing system, a photovoltaic roofing system. Yeah. That would be a good application in. Uh, residential market windmills have their place in certain areas where you can't run a distribution system and someone puts in a hybrid system with uh but it's all small scale like um you know small wind generator and uh, a, a mix of uh, photovoltaic panels and it, yeah. in it in certain areas it makes sense because rather than spend a hundred thousand dollars running a distribution system through a, a, a very a remote area, you could put in these systems and then be self-sufficient. Technology does has its, have its place, but the problem is is that ideology has taken over practicality. The liberal mindset these days, the modern liberal, is obsessed with the idea that we are destroying the planet. It's because of the accumulation of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, which is some I haven't seen anyone give me a good explanation of this yet. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. All we see is uh you know like the world moves through our little galaxy here and around our sun and follows some very predictable cycles. The sun has a very predictable 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 cycle as well and we can measure it by through the geology of the earth and mm-hmm. uh, much like what your son would probably be able to tell how the weather was, you know, two million years ago through yeah. grounds, uh, you know, through ground sediment and things of that nature. And the studies show that we, we go through cycles, cold times, hot times, cold times, hot times, and it's a continuous loop. People don't take that into account. They don't take into account that uh, we're continually, the weather is continuously changing. Yes, uh, what happens is we have species and that uh, produce carbon dioxide, some don't. Carbon dioxide is good for plants, makes them grow, makes things warmer. Look at that, eh? So we get more plants. What are we going to need around the world with close to what? What are we at now? Eight billion people. Mm-hmm. We're going to need food. We need green zones. We need places uh, to grow food. We need places where we can expand and reclaim areas to to create uh, agricultural areas and take advantage of the what we have rather than fight it tooth and nail. Yeah. Um, most of Earth's history... We did not have ice at our poles. Uh, I did not know that. Yes. And we, in historically, a long time ago, through ice core samples and things like that, we had much, much higher CO2 levels in the, on the Earth. The Earth was, in fact, quite, quite a bit warmer. That would We're account actually, for... Oh, sorry, go ahead. That would account for a lot of those areas they call like formerly were inland seas in the middle of the, where the U.S. Uh, deserts and things like that were. Yeah, bad. exactly. Like yeah. the Great Lakes were part of a large inland sea, you know, before the Ice Age. We are actually still um, geologically, we are still emerging from an Ice Age. Hmm. We are. The biggest factor, like you said, in our climate, the biggest driver in our climate is the sun. Yeah. The outer planets are heating up. That's because the cows are farting. <laughs> yes. The farting cows are getting 
methane is getting to Mars. That's right. Or Uranus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get a lot of farts out of Uranus. <laughs> oh, I did one. I got one, yeah. Yeah, you got one in there. Uh, yeah, farts going to Uranus. Yeah, so, and, 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 and ultimately we can discuss all this. But the reality is, is the choice about the thing about Donald Trump is the United States is that shining city on the hill, as Ronald Reagan called it. The modern day Democrat liberal Marxists want to turn it into a slum. They want to burn it down. And if the United States goes down, the United States is responsible in the history of so much innovation. Everybody in the world wants to go there. You know, you read about all these scientific discoveries like Enrico Fermi, all these other people. They all came from somewhere else and they had the opportunity in the United States to realize that Nikolai Tesla, all those people. And the freedom of ideas has created all this. Henry Ford, all these great people, and they're shutting it down. And if the United States loses this freedom it's going to take the whole planet down then nothing left but poverty and war yeah exactly and war is going to be one of the keys to that because um, a much destabilized u.s will create a power vacuum within the world and the despots such as Iran, North Korea, uh, China again, and a number of uh, dictators will try to take advantage of that, that hole of power and try to exert their own. And we may end up in uh, another situation where we have to, where a war will be created because of their lack of, uh, gumption or lack of resolve and to the point where you know our whole world is uh, could be at risk yeah exactly who you know like you, those countries you named they would benefit most from a a democrat government and it's interesting though how many new wars have there been in the last four years none oh i i fought another guy that immigrated to the u.s uh, that that was really uh, another example of someone coming to the U.S. You know, show his skills and and stuff was Warner von Braun. Exactly. Yeah. The whole space, the whole space. Uh, NASA. Yeah. NASA, all that. Uh, the, the moon rockets, our our satellites, our space stations. We can thank him for that. And and he came out of Nazi Germany. You know. Yeah, like the Nazis, the Nazis made him, um, the Nazis made him design V1s and V2s. V2s, exactly. He, he, he came to the United States when he was able to help uh, uh, pioneer the uh, the American space program. Exactly, you know. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, rich history of immigrants to the U.S. that have helped develop the technological advantages that the U.S. holds right now. And a lot of that's going to be lost with uh, us, with the U.S. sliding down that slope into socialism. Yes, <laughs> it's really interesting too. I, I saw an interesting parallel to the, today that, following some of the uh, news stories about the pro-Trump march in Washington D.C. on the weekend, they arrested a few people who attacked. You know, these Antifa, BLM, whatever the hell they are types attacking a few people when they were leaving and their numbers dwindled down. Then they then then like a pack of hyenas, they started ganging up on individual people who got caught behind in the demonstration. And uh, I was seeing the one that was arrested. He <laughs> is a sex offender. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. I, there's a pattern for a lot of these people that uh, get some sort of notoriety in the Antifa BLM unit organizations is a lot of them are uh, degenerates, perverts, and just all around thugs, anti-Semitic. That's so funny. A lot of them are, they call Trump a racist and everything like that. And 
BLM and Antifa are some of the most anti-Semitic organizations around. They're just like the brown shirts. The brown shirts were the the Nazis made uh, or got all the sort of disgusting criminal type perverts, all sorts of people. And they joined the, the brown shirts because they were willing to do anything in order to fight the opposition or, or beat down the opposition. And this is the same thing. It's happening over again. Yep. They, they recruit from the lowest steps, right? Yeah. It's, it's funny. Typically, a lot of Jewish people in the States are Democrats. Which I find really surprising. Yes. They've got to ask themselves now. When they see this so-called squad going on about opening up negotiations with the PLO and and the Hezbollah and, you know, criticizing Trump for relocating the embassy to Jerusalem, like it's like 1933 all over again for some of these people. Yeah, Don't they see sure. it? They, they should. They, yeah. But they, they're, they're, gener- they're two generations past the knowledge again. Yeah. Is the sad part. Uh, the other thing is, like, they should be getting warning signals when you get OC there, uh, Valquez there, talking about making lists and yes, um, going after people who had supported Trump and physically, if not uh, economically, destroying them. Yeah. They're no different than the Bolsheviks. Instead of putting a star on each of the businesses, they're going to put a big T? Yes, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, very good point. You know, it's and there's another similarity, you know, like and 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 now I love their um, their olive branch now. You know, they're all they're all saying, oh, you know, let's time let's put down our swords and, and work this out when they have actually gone after this president from the moment he went down that escalator to this point in time doing everything to they've impeached him uh they uh went after him about false russian collusion stories spied on him everything and now they want us to lay down our swords yeah. no <laughs> never never like like dan bongino said it's time to pick up the sword and fight you're in a, a, a like the Dan Bongino show. He describes it as this this kind of a battle they're they're encountering. It's not like a, a game where one side quits and then the game's over. This is more like a boxing match where as soon as you say I want to quit, the guy just beats you harder. Yes, exactly. Because they're the type of people that will, like you say, first it's the list, then it's the camps. Well, it's the ostrac. Actually, sorry, it's the list. Then it's the ostracization. Just like the Jews in Germany, you can't work here. You can't go to university. They close your shop. They don't allow you to own firearms. Uh, the same type of thing. Then it's the camps. And then, and I don't think it's a stretch. These, I, I, I find, I find these people so full of hate. That as soon as you, uh, that's why I don't even debate with them anymore. As soon as you, they they get angry and violent because at the end of it, I think they're, they're mentally challenged. They're not very smart, but they also have this sense of self-righteousness that has been beaten into them that everything that that comes out of their mouth is self-righteous. That's because they... They they get that from having that higher education that makes them elitist. Yes. And then they feel that, as Machiavelli said, the end justifies the means. That's right. They feel that they're not constrained by uh, any morality as long as they get what they want because they're right. These are the people that believe that you can kill a nine-month-old baby. Yeah. Amazing how desperate these people can be and how how they can justify any kind of anything can be rationalized or justified to any means. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
it's 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 shocking, but uh, I, I think our world has changed quite a bit in the last couple of weeks from uh, the, the U.S. election to our good old uh, liberal organization uh, government here with their Build Back Better, how that Build Back Better only rep- uh, is involved in a clean en- energy kind of initiatives and women's studies and and rights for people, you know, that kind of the way they talk. Yes. And the other point there uh, I noticed, do you realize – the finance committee uh, in in Ottawa, since government reconvened, the Liberals have been running a filibuster continuously in the finance committee since they came back the, from the, the the recess. I yeah. thought that was interesting. Yeah, because they don't want to tell you how much we're in debt. No, not only that, they don't want... Their issue is right now is short of the filibuster that they're running and, and tying things up. They are refusing to uh, vote or they're not allowing the conservatives to issue a vote to have the we uh, information from the we organization oh, redacted. Yeah. And. Also, uh, again, uh, talked about uh, what about what's happening with the finances. We are the only country of the G7 that has not had a financial budget for this year. Yes, we also have the highest unemployment rate and the highest debt. That's right, so. highest unemployment rate and debt. And we are running behind Italy when it comes to unemployment now. Yeah. Which is, which Italy has always been the... the notoriously the the last in line for for unemployment and things of that nature and nothing against italy or anything like that but it's it tends uh is reflective of that european um socialism there i guess and the nice thing about italy is that they're strongly now rejecting socialism did you know that yeah they are starting to fight back they're also have some of the biggest protests against the covid uh lockdowns yeah Exactly. And some of the some of the best medical counter uh, arguments regarding the lockdowns are coming from Italian doctors and researchers. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, and I applaud Italy and keep going there. Uh, if you're a listener in Italy, uh, put your fists up for you and carry on the fight against socialism. Hey, paisans, all my paisans. There you go. Yeah. All your paisans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've been to Italy twice, and the last time I was there was just last summer, or not last, yeah, it would be last summer, and uh, I was really surprised and found it a fantastic place, a beautiful country, especially along the Adriatic coast there. Oh, it's yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's one of the Adriatic's, one of the beautiful, both sides, the Croatian, Slovenia side, and uh, yeah. the Italian side are supposedly just absolutely beautiful. But, you know, you make a good point about what these liberal uh, traders uh, have up their sleeve when Trudeau today made an uh, he was and I think he was speaking to some global forum of some sort, like probably no one was listening to him other than the, the press people. But in the series of like 40 seconds, he made the statement about building back better. The COVID crisis has given us an opportunity to reset and line up our goals with Agenda 2030. 2030. What what is this Agenda 2030? It's just another UN plan. I uh, have gone through it. And again, it is all sorts of um, high minded, uh, idealistic. uh, It it goes on about the environment a million times about equality, uh, changing people's behavior to be more in line with environmental policies. Basically, we have to basically um, a socialist document, social, environmental socialist uh, document where, you know, probably we're all, they all want us to be vegetarians and live in a 500 square foot apartment and bike everywhere. Basically <laughs> about using environmentalism as a method of control. Did you know uh, 
there was a society in Germany in the 30s that uh, actually a lot of this um, modern day global warming uh, philosophy came from. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, a lot of Nazis uh, believed in it. They felt that the population of the earth was going to make it in, uninhabitable and create. And they actually talked about carbon dioxide uh, producing global warming. They needed to be uh, go back to the environment more and create more living space. <laughs> Lebensraum. Lebensraum. Yeah, I forget what the society was called. It just came to my mind, but there's a lot of... Um, society lot of, of the Van Binghofen Biggenfutten. Yeah, who the hell knows? <laughs> but it's something like that. But uh, yeah, so it's been around a while. It really is being used by Marxists. Like the old saying is, is the environmentalists are, are, are like watermelons. They're green on the outside and red on the inside. You know, when that's, they start, that's a good when they, yeah, when they start, when they start talking about their plans for the environment, it de- devolves quickly into control, deindustrialization, race based. Uh, you know, it's the white man that's created all this pollution. Right. That's right. And uh, yeah, it, it <laughs> you know, and that's really to me the 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 core of it right there. It's a it's a method of control and our prime minister spoke the three big ideas about that and a lot of eyebrows were raised today it was all over facebook and it was all over the media so we'll see him walking that one back what was that about uh todd that he did what he did oh today when he was talking he when he in the in the in the matter of about 30 seconds he talked about build back better Resetting the economy because of the COVID crisis, which is called the Great Reset, which, again, uh, some oh gentleman by the name of Klaus Schwab, who is the, I think, the head of the um, uh, World Economic Forum or something like that, where they okay. meet in Davos and decide how the plant, what the plantation is going to plant the next year. The global plantation. Yeah. Uh, and basically he his idea is uh, how to deal with the world debt, which we both know, which will never be paid back. So at a certain point in time, the currencies of the world are all going to fail. But his idea was basically this is a good opportunity to implement world socialism, single world currency, <laughs> forgiveness of debt. And, of course, at the same time, you probably no longer own your house. That's right. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like that, that one uh, economic uh, assistant program that the federal government had uh, issued during this COVID crisis, that they're going to uh, provide funding to businesses as long as the businesses sign a stake of their business over to the federal government. Yeah, it- that almost sounds like the mob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I make you an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. going to, we'll bail you out, but you owe half your business to us. You know? Yeah. Well, I think also the next one is, and they, you know, the liberals are always good at throwing out these little trial balloons. One, uh, this generation is about to inherit the largest amount of real estate inheritances uh, in the history of the world that you don't think the government's not going to want a piece of that action. They sure do. Yeah. Look, look out for that one. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, the liberals are going to pull, pull that one in. How much actually how long how much longer do they have in their mandate? The last election was 2015, right? Uh No, it was actually 16, no, wasn't it? The, was it 16? No, no, no. Uh they they've only had their mandate for 2 years. They're coming up on 2 years. Okay. Yeah. So uh, one of the biggest things about minority governments they generally don't last over 2 years, right? 
Well, you know why? You know what's going to happen there? They will last as long as they want because yeah, because they got NDP uh, yeah in the back pocket, right? Yes, he's got two years. I don't know what's going to happen in two years, but um, if they keep going the way they're going, things are not going to get better. Yeah, so. I agree. Wow, geez, that's a, a lot of information on the the short short little uh, discussion so far. Right, we can uh, kind of peruse that for thought and uh, and and think about it uh, for yourselves uh, or. We know that a lot of things are changing, and a lot of them are changing for the good. They're changing for the worse. We have a, a great opportunity. You know, we probably live better than most people in the the history of the, the our world have lived. But we seem to be on a self-destructive um, slant right now, like all civilizations. Can it be turned around? I don't know. What do you think, Todd? Uh, are we turning around or are we heading down the slope? Um, I'm an optimist long term. I'm a short term pessimist, long term optimist. We've survived ice ages, wars, cataclysms, um, socialism, the disco era. Uh, we've survived all these things. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we um, always have to have a look at the abyss. Before we turn around, I think well you and yeah, I think you and I are going to have a good look at the abyss in the next few years. Yep. And hopefully, the rest of you fucking dumbass liberal ass clowns in Canada pull your heads out of your asses and have a look in the abyss and wake up. Exactly. And I think that's a great way to end our our mm-hmm. topic for tonight. And thanks, Todd. Amazing uh, uh, viewpoint, uh, as always. And you've been listening to the Canadian Beacon podcast. We're back here, and uh, we we look forward to hearing from you and talking again in the near future. If you have a uh, uh, subject that you would like covered, please email us at uh, Canadian Beacon Podcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. And this also, uh, here's something that Todd didn't know. we got to welcome some new viewers, new subscribers up in the Ottawa region now. That hey. we're receiving. How's it going? Thanks so for we'll give them the big big five wave and instead mm-hmm. of the liberal one finger. And uh, we hope you enjoy the show. And again, we'd love to hear from you. You have been listening to the Canadian Beacon Podcast. We would love to hear your comments or suggestions. Please email us at cbpodcast at codegeco.ca or follow us on Facebook under the Canadian Beacon.